If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is a super-duper entrepreneur and book marketing expert. Matt Stone, also known as Buck Flogging, is an author and entrepreneur with 20 years of publishing experience. His primary focus is providing high-quality services to authors at an affordable price through his many sites, such as 100 Covers, an affordable book cover design service that does custom work for just $100, book ads, book writer, book bucks, and several others. Matt and I have recently been part of a team of authors who contributed to the USA Today best-selling book, Write and Grow Rich. Matt, I am so thrilled to welcome you to the show and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Well, thank you, Susan, and thank you for calling me super duper. I think I might need to record that little snippet and use that as part of my personal resume. (laughs) I like that. Well, good. Matt, I read through your chapter in Write and Grow Rich, and there are many things in there that you said about yourself and how you've been successful. And one of the most successful techniques you talk about is tapping into your personal potential. I would love for you to talk about that. And is this something that we can duplicate for ourselves? I have kind of a funny backstory in that I was really kind of aimless and I was living in Maui and I went there and I spent time on the beach and reading Eckhart Tolle and trying to figure out why I was, wasn't happy all the time. You know, my focus in life was being happy and I just kind of, I don't know, I was up and down. I didn't have much focus in my life. I was working as a cashier at a health food store or something like that. You know, I found that this aimlessness was really the cause of my mediocre life and even rainbows and whale song under the water and the beauty of the Hawaiian islands couldn't quite get me there. I got a good kick in the pants from the guy, some of you might remember in the movie, The Secret, Dr. John Martini. I was in that kind of wishy-washy, hippy-dippy phase and wanting to wake up in the morning and think my way to prosperity and a wonderful life. I went there expecting more of the same from him, and he was actually very much the opposite. He kind of reminded me of what I'd always known, which is that happiness comes from getting a sense of fulfillment. And that sense of fulfillment comes from having done something really difficult, worked really hard at it, overcome those obstacles, and conquered it. And that's where that true feeling of fulfillment comes from. And so that kind of reawakened me and steered me back in the right direction. And I became really eager and excited to take on big challenges, face those head on. Something bad happened. I didn't say, oh, this is terrible. I'm going to stop doing this. I was no longer kind of trying to avoid the negatives of life. I was just too focused on learning, growing, progressing in life, mastering something, seeking new information. 
I became really a sponge and became almost obsessive about my own personal development and personal growth. And uh, it just happened like the snap of a finger. And it was like a light switch just went on. Even if you find that you're struggling to feel motivated or inspired to go out there and actually accomplish something, you maybe you're afraid of the negative consequences that you might encounter, such as not making money or failing or whatever those fears and phobias may be, you're literally a, a snap of your fingers away from completely reinventing yourself and going about life with a completely different outlook and mindset. And that's what happened to me. I don't have the secret for how to magically do that, but I know that you know I heard something that gave me a realization and it completely changed my life and I'm forever grateful for that. I know Dr. Martini very well. I've done many of his programs, and so I know exactly what you're talking about. However, I suggest that you don't tell a travel agent about your feelings about Hawaii. I don't think that would make for a good advertisement for it. It doesn't sell the fantasy very well of Hawaiian happily ever after, but it speaks to the truth of happiness as something that happens internally. It's not something that any place or anything else can give to you. It's something that you have to generate from within yourself. And that's a painful truth that I had to discover right there in the sand, in the sunshine. It really does come from within and your passion for what you're doing. And that's a great segue into the fact that You've become a very successful author in your own right, having written, what, I don't know, 20 books. And what's your recipe to become a successful author? First and foremost, you have to actually do it and take action. And I think I would have had a lot more success had I not been so overly eager to write and publish a book. I was writing kind of low-quality work. I wasn't spending a lot of time on revision. I wasn't spending a lot of time professionalizing those products. I kind of just was in the right place at the right time. And my kind of obsessive work ethic combined with timing of the digital publishing age, those two things kind of collided to help me be successful. But I don't think of myself as being this transcendent talent as a writer. And I did a lot of sloppy work. And eventually that sloppy work caught up with me. And I have a lot of bad reviews on my books. They quit selling. And I found that the new publishing environment, I'm encouraging people to do things differently than I did them and actually really strive for highly professional books inside and out, making sure that tons of time and dedication is put into it to make sure that you have a great product. Because if you have a a product that's not great, when you go out and try to sell that product, you're facing a huge uphill battle put it more bluntly (laughs) many times before saying uh, people are out there trying to sell and market a turd. And I think it's really important, first and foremost, that you create something that is really, really of high quality, as close as you can get it to what the high quality professional books that are coming out of the big publishing houses and what they're putting out, the closest you can get to that level of quality. And then go out and start marketing it. I think you'll find that formula works a lot better than going out and trying to market a book that was poorly strewn together, not so great. The title is mediocre. The cover is mediocre. The book description is mediocre. 
it's kind of a short book. It's not really a complete work. It doesn't feel weighty like what we traditionally think of as a book. That's the main thing that people need to focus on these days is getting the product right first, remembering that's ultimately what sells the book is the book itself and the way you present it, having a good launch. And then that thing will actually get out there and and sell pretty well and it'll be easy to market. So that's it all begins, I think, with the quality of the product. And it's so easy to publish these days that I think a lot of people are glossing over the importance of that. And thank you for saying that, because in fact, that's a standard that we like to have here at Aviva Publishing, is that anything that we produce or our authors produce, we want it to have that same look and feel that if somebody picks it up, that they wouldn't know that it was self-published and it could be from a traditional publisher very easily. That's the quality that we want from our authors. My first book, just to give you guys an idea of how I violated this, my first book that I wrote was, I didn't even edit the book. I didn't have it professionally formatted. I just converted the Word document to a PDF, and then I uploaded it without a book cover at all and sold it on my website for $19.95 or something like that. So we're talking about really low quality, really half-assing it. Wouldn't want anybody to follow that formula. I just happened to get lucky. It was early 2009. You could get away with doing that, and people would buy it. But it's a different world now, and we have to get back to doing quality work if you want to succeed. I think that reflects on you too. Whatever you put out is a reflection of who you are and how you are represented in the marketplace. So I think that's important. Matt, you've mastered building an email list, something that you do very well. And I know that's something that many of our listeners struggle with. How could you help them if they came to you and said, what advice can you give me about building a list? What would you tell them? I think this has been true for a while, and I think it's more true than ever, and I think it's going to continue to be true. I'm just telling people nowadays that what I'm about to say is something that is unavoidable. It may not sound like a fun thing to do to you. When you hear it the first time, it may not sound like a feasible thing to do. It may sound like a lot of work, but I really think that this is an unavoidable thing that needs to occur if you want to have big success, not only with your books, but your business on the whole. Uh, assuming you might have maybe some coaching or some products or a service or something you deliver. The whole thing really depends and hinges on the ability to form relationships with people who have an audience of your ideal customers. Some people might call this influencer marketing. I think that's a little silly sounding. You know, a lot of people have put in years and years and years of hard work trying to build an organic quality following. They do a lot of podcasting and they do a lot of blogging and they spend a lot of time on social media doing all this work and they accumulate a nice email list, typically, of hardcore fans and followers that open their emails and actually listen to what they say and trust and like that person. There's no higher quality traffic that you can possibly get from any other source other than getting a strong endorsement and referral from somebody who's already built tremendous trust with their email subscribers. So there are also people who are subscribed to their email list, paying attention to emails, they're opening emails. 
they're listening to those recommendations and they're going and making purchases, those are the ideal customers in general. And to be able to get people to send traffic to you from their email list and get them onto your email list is incredibly powerful. And there's no easier, more expedient way to build a, just a massive email list than building some relationships with people who already have an email list and trying to figure out how to incentivize them to send some traffic your way. So one example might be something I'm doing later this year with a colleague that I built a relationship with. I think we're probably going to put a book together where there's over a hundred authors and each author is going to contribute maybe one page in the book, giving some advice as to what is working for them and their business. And then all 100 authors are going to drive traffic over and they will enter their email address to get this book for free. We're expecting to get 30, 40, 50,000 email subscribers like this. It's a fun project. I think the participants are going to be really excited to be part of it. I think the participants are going to get great referrals and leads for their own business by being part of it. And we're actually going to have a higher end product for sale on the back end. So everybody who sends traffic over is actually going to get paid a commission for any sales that are generated from the leads that they send over. This may sound really intimidating and really complicated, but all we're doing is sending emails out to people and inviting those people. How did we build relationships with those people in order to be able to do that? Well, we all got to kind of know each other by participating in other events together and just kind of making ourselves part of the community, just like Susan and I are doing right now. How did I reach out to you the first time? I think we were part of a, like you said, the Write and Grow Rich book together. Correct. And then either you sent something to me asking if I wanted to to promote something of yours, or maybe I did the same for you with that GiveGrow launch that we did, the Indie Author Super Bundle. But either way, here we are communicating and working together, and that's just how it works. And all it was is sending an email to the person. It's not so not as hard as it seems to have people who have an email list start to get to know who you are, and, and you guys start to kind of plan and figure out ways to work together and take advantage of each other's audiences. It's really that simple. Which is a wonderful way to collaborate. And I think that's so much part of what marketing is all about these days. Uh, you don't see each other as competitors so much as collaborators. And so that's really lovely. I like that a lot and interested to find out Absolutely. about the book. Yes. Yeah, there's people who are desperate to get in front of new audiences. They're desperate to find more promotional partners who they can collaborate with. So when you reach out and, and you have that intent of wanting to work together and help each other in a mutually beneficial way, they're really excited. Everybody likes to grow their network. They have the same needs and wants and desires that you do. And I find it's really easy to actually do this stuff. All you have to do is be nice and friendly, be helpful and, and make friends just like you would in the real world. And once you've made a few and you've had some success, then people start contacting you wanting to be friends because they've heard of you and they saw you having success. They know you have some promotional power now. So now they want to be friends and the whole thing can really take off very quickly and, and you can have a nice group, you know, a big launch team ready to help you launch your books, big launch team to help you launch your product. You can put together events and collaborative ideas like the one I just mentioned. 
all throughout the year. And it's just a fantastic way to market your business. And it's not something that you have to sit around doing for 40 hours a week. I mean, I spend maybe a few hours a week communicating with people who I'm associated with like that. It's no big deal. And uh, it works great. Matt, our listeners love to learn about mistakes and either mistakes you've made or you see that authors make in general. What would you share with us? I'm a terrible person to ask that question because I've never made a mistake. I've I've just been perfect (laughs) from start to finish since the moment I was born. I've already gone over one of the big mistakes, which is doing sloppy work and kind of falling victim to the fact that you can publish a book so easily. Eh, Why bother to spend money on editing or a professional book cover or even really think very hard about what kind of book you want to write or what categories you're going to target or You know, there's just a lot of people not putting enough thought and effort into it. So that's a big one. But we've already gone over that. So I'd say, I think the second one, and keep in mind that I have a business that helps people set up and run ads for their books. Even having said that, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people have made, and I've got lots of data to back this up, is they're relying way too much on, or at least hoping to depend on, your typical book promotions and paid advertising to sell their book. They think that they can write the book, press the publish button, and then start marketing the book using AMS ads, BookBub ads, BookBub's uh, booking a promotion with them, or you know my site, Buck Books, which does book promotions and dozens of others, and just kind of pay their way to being successful. That is completely backwards. I would say months and months of pre-launch work needs to go in. I would say 80 to 90% of your marketing should be done before you press the publishing button. I think that's a big, big change in mindset for a lot of authors who just want to write. They just want to write. They've written the book. They're eager to publish it. Maybe they're eager to even go ahead and move on to the next book, which is another big mistake. I hate to see people writing and publishing a new book every month when they really should be working on writing that one masterpiece that is so good. And it's been a a half a year working on launching it with a huge bang with all their might and all their blood, sweat and tears poured into it. That's something that you can build a business around. That's a book that can sell week in and week out for a decade and be the foundation of something that completely and totally changes your life. I see people that just that whole way of attacking things, doing mostly just writing, publishing short books, publishing too often, and not giving the book the love and at the launch that it deserves. You bring up an interesting point, because one of the things that happens with many of the authors that I come into contact with is they don't feel they need to or should do any marketing until they actually have a product in hand. And you're saying absolutely not. And I quite agree with you. I think once they've got the book cover, they can start marketing like crazy. I'd like to see people finishing their books completely. The editing's done, the proofreading's done, the formatting's done, the cover's done. And then once you have something in hand, maybe even you have a stack of proof copies that you've ordered and and a physical copy, everything is totally complete with the book, but it hasn't been published yet. Then you're looking at, I think, six months of pre-launch. That's if you've written a really great book, you put your heart and soul into it. It's really well thought out. You know it's going to be a tremendous facilitator of growth of your business that you have in the periphery surrounding your business. 
if you have something that if it's successful, your whole business is going to blow up and everything's going to work really just wonderfully, then that's the kind of strategy that you need to be deploying to really make sure that it succeeds. You don't want to give it a chance to fail. You know, really going out there and making sure that people, like I said, people with an email list, people with a a hard-earned audience, they've spent years building that audience. Make connections with those people. See if you can get people to line up to promote your book when it launches. Offer to do favors for them and anything that you can possibly do. If you can't get them to do that, then think of some other way. Put together some big event or something, anything to get some email subscribers that you can launch to. But really make sure to put the groundwork in. And if you don't have any promotional power, I don't think you just throw up your arms in the air and say, well, I don't have any way to launch this book properly. Instead of just thinking about it and worrying about it, I'm just going to press the publish button and see what happens. I think that could have worked five years ago and it did work for a lot of people. But that's just not the publishing environment anymore. There's just too many books being published. Amazon's algorithm is vetting for quality. I just don't think you can get away with that. You have to have a good, solid launch and a great product. I hope (laughs) the message I'm sharing today is coming through loud and clear because I would love to see everybody putting more effort into the quality of their book and the launch, doing the marketing before the book is published, not after. I know that book covers are something that you feel very strongly about. Talk to us a little bit about that. Do love book covers and I've made it my focus over the last year and a half now, just been dedicated and fixated and focused entirely on book covers as my primary focus. So I have a book cover business, 100 covers, where we do $100 book covers. And I now have a team of eight designers and we're working really hard to be the best in the business. But I'm not trying to be self-promotional. We already have more business than we know what to do with. Our business is coming in faster than I can hire and train people to make good book covers. And what I've been trying to tell people about book covers, now that I've overseen 4,000 book promotions and over 10,000 ads, I really see the power of a book cover. And I've really developed a keen eye for something that I know is going to respond well with paid marketing and something that's not going to respond well with paid marketing. And I think that's given me a very unique perspective. And I would say that the main thing that people fail to understand when it comes to book covers is what a book cover is and what its job is. I think a lot of people, especially in fiction, and I know you're, most of the people listening today are authors of nonfiction, but in fiction in particular, the book cover is looked at sometimes in an overly artistic way. And I just try to remind people of what a book cover is. It's not art. No one has ever bought a book cover to display on their wall as a piece of art. It's just not what it's for. It's not art. It's actually product packaging. So that may not sound very glamorous and sexy. It may not appeal to you know, some of your artistic sensibilities. But at the end of the day, a book is product packaging. And when I think about product packaging, the first thing I think about are girls' toys for young girls and what that aisle looks like. It's a sea of pink. It's a funny thing because I think a lot of us want to create that book that stands out. We want to be different and we want to be unique. And I think what the girls' toy aisle teaches us is that because a lot of the big successful toys like Barbie, because they've been hugely successful and because they were pink, now young girls associate the color pink 
with something that is a girl's toy for them. It's kind of a funny thing in that you were to create a girl's toy and package it in bright green and make it look very different. A girl is simply going to walk right past it without even noticing it because it doesn't look like the toy for her. It doesn't look like a girl's toy because it doesn't have those characteristics that in their minds, they already associate with being a girl's toy. The same is true for books and book covers. If you're wanting to create a very effective book cover, then you need to look very carefully at what is selling because what is selling well is what determines what your book cover should look like because it determines what that type of book looks like. If 10 million people have read Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now, which has this sort of greenish, yellowish look to it, then people, if they see another book that has that type of look to it, they're going to say, oh, that looks like a book I already know and have read and liked, and I want more of that type of book. And they can immediately recognize it as being kind of a new age spiritual book that's going to give them more of what they want. And so I think the most important thing with a book cover is that it actually, and Derek Murphy has done a great job of putting this in really simplistic terms. He say it's best to blend in, not stand out. You don't want to stand out and be different. You want to actually blend in and have the look and feel of other bestsellers in your category. It's a small thing, but it makes a huge difference when you go about crafting the right book cover for your book that's going to sell the most copies. I love that. I'm going to be going up and down girls' aisles now. Not all of them are only pink, but they all have a little bit of pink in there, and they're all clearly identifiable. They all have the same general look and feel because how would a little girl know it was a toy for her if it didn't look like that? Matt, you've talked a little bit about your services. Tell us a little bit more how our audience can get a hold of you if they want to learn more about what you offer. You know, obviously, my focus now is the book covers, and I would love for you guys to come and visit and check out the site and use us for your future book covers. That's 100covers.com. Just the numbers 100 is in $100. And we do custom work with unlimited revisions, and we just work as hard as we can to make sure you get that right. And I'm guiding the process. I'm the one telling the designers, no, no, let's make it look a little bit more like this book cover that's selling a thousand copies a day rather than that process works really well and we're just getting better so fast and that's a great place to get a hold of me and to take advantage of my 20 years in the publishing industry and all that I've been through and all the promotions I've run and all the advertisements I've helped run for authors that's the best place I think to go and take advantage of all the knowledge that I've gotten and we've got some books that are selling $500 a day plus that we did the covers for that. And I'm really proud of. I think we've got a lot more of those in us. If you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, you've given us so much wisdom already, but I'm just going to squeeze you for a little bit more. What would that be? I'm going to go back and say, just reiterate what I've said before. I think the movement towards creating higher quality products, I think that movement's already happening without me telling you that your book needs to be good. I'll say the big focus, 80 to 90% of your marketing should be before the book is published, not after. I think that makes a big difference. That's what's going to ensure the success of your book. That also forces you to go out there and build those partnerships and build your network Doing those things is really important. It's more important than the book itself. It's bigger than the book itself. And that network you can go to the well on again and again and again. 
make sure that any endeavor you do is successful. And that's how I've been successful. I owe all my success to that. If you can really commit to doing 80 to 90% of your marketing before you press the publishing button, that's going to make a huge, huge fundamental difference in the success of your author business. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparked some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. Hi, it's Susan again with some more marketing tips. I recently picked up a copy of a book that I wrote several years ago called Seven Secret Motivators That Drive Your Customer to the Buy Button. And I thought, I wonder if there are some tips in here that might be useful for my authors. And guess what? So what is it that you need to know about your customers so that they're guaranteed to buy from you over and over again? When it comes to buying anything, from simple needs to expensive machinery, different buying motivators influence the decisions people make. Understanding what these motivators are and how they make your customers tick simplifies any niche marketing strategy. Luckily, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Tons of psychological research has already gone into identifying some of the most common buying motivators. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to share with you seven secret buying motivators, some of the most powerful and universal ingredients that influence customers' buying behavior. As effective and savvy marketers, your job is firstly to understand and recognize these incredibly powerful reasons for buying. Then when you grasp what drives your customers' decision-making, you can better position your products and services to appeal to their wants and needs. When it comes to buying anything, it all boils down to the power of buying motivators. What are buying motivators? Why did I buy this? I don't even like it. Have you ever stood at your closet door pondering the contents and asking that question? Sometimes the choices we make are puzzling and inexplicable, even to ourselves. Puzzling and inexplicable. That is until you step back and consider your buying motivators. Perhaps you purchased the offending outfit in question because you thought it would make you look more professional, enhancing your chances for promotion. That's the need for power and control manifested in clothing. Or perhaps you picked out that outfit with another need in mind, motivated by the need for love and sex. You purchase clothing to make you irresistible. Buying motivators are the reason that we as individuals make the decisions we make. There are lots of names for buying motivators. 
They're called motivations or reasons or influences. To understand buying motivators, you have to know that what we're really talking about here is simply an expression of somebody's needs. You purchase products or services in a certain way at a certain time to fulfill a need. That's buying motivators in a nutshell. Tune in next time and we're going to talk more about those seven buying motivators. Until next time, keep exercising your marketing muscle. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.